Welcome to episode 46 of A Sporting Discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I am AJ Mithen and I am joined by a man who is still buzzing from a Friday night spent on the terraces of Prince's Park, Andrew Donison. Hello, Andrew. Pumped. Pumped. Uh, I, lost Pumped. Count, I lost count of how many tweets you did ending in... 146. Exclamation marks. Everything was really exciting. Anyway, moving on. It's a very special episode this week from a, a very well air conditioned ASD stadium. I think the Qataris can take some good tips off us. Uh, we are pleased to welcome our very, very first special guest co host, Stu McLennan. Stu, how are you? Uh, very well, and Yasas uh, uh, and Calimera, boys, and I'm um, <laughs> very excited to be here. Now, Stu is here with us on hiatus from Managing Media for the Australian Sports Commission, and he is now a freelance writer based in Greece with a passion for rugby league. Uh, Spruik your blog before we get into everything, Stu. Uh, so, yeah, so we've got um, Athens Bites. I also write on um, Raw Sports uh, and Rugby League Hub and then Neos Cosmos, the Greek-Australian newspaper. Lovely. All right, let's get into some content. This week, we are going to have a look at the huge first week of AFL women's competition, uh, the controversial fight in more ways than one between Anthony Mundine and Danny Green, Ugh. the Auckland Nines competition, and whether this has a future, we're going to talk a bit more international rugby league as well, and we're also going to have a look at some sporting events that finished in bizarre circumstances, and there's also your fast few at the end, and whatever grabs our fancy throughout this recording. Now, don't forget, folks, that you can still vote for us on the, in the Castaway Awards. Go to castawayawards.com.au slash vote. We are rocketing up the charts, Andrew. Vote early, vote often. Vote early, vote often. Uh, Set up an account, though, because you have to. You can't just... And you can only vote it. once. So We have rocketed past our goal of 12, and we are currently on 17. Woo! Thanks to everyone who voted so far. Uh, and don't forget, you can, as well as voting for us, you can get us on our social medias. We are on Twitter, at ASD underscore podcast, or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. And make sure we are talking about issues that are of interest to you. Now, we want to officially welcome Stu McLennan uh, to the show now as our co-host. Stu, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank we're, you. We're really glad you could come and uh, speak with us and co-host with us and go through a few things. Andrew? Oh, I'm, I'm, it's just exciting to have someone else to look at. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us and the listeners a bit about yourself, uh, Stu, and how you've ended up here. Yeah, look, um, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you I'm very excited. The reason being is um, every Wednesday or Thursday morning in Greece, um, to catch up on uh, Australian sport, I mean, you... Uh, you can look on social media, but it's not never as good. You never get that behind-the-scenes stuff. So I put the coffee on and then put the ASD podcast on as well. Oh, and it's, uh, love it. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And it, it just keeps me up to date with the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, in Australian sport in a little compact, you know, 40-minute to one-hour little session. Yeah, we, uh, look we, at that. And we, we have drag out. <laughs> I was going to say, we haven't even written that down for no. Stu to read out. <laughs> Um, but look, telling me about myself, I um, like you guys, I'm a, a, both a sport and media fanatic and if you can combine those two things together, well, um, life's pretty um, fantastic and if you combine that with, a, with, a, with an overseas trip, um, it's even better. Um, so yeah, I was, I was working as a, uh, the media manager at the AIS, which is a fantastic job. Um, fortunately, they've, um, they've kept that job open for me um, for three years, but uh, my wife was given a posting to Athens, Greece. Um, so I'm over there now, and I thought, well, what am I, what am I going to do with myself? And, you know, my passions are, uh, as I said, sport and media. So I thought I'd combine that and start doing a bit of writing, um, 
the guys from uh, Rugby League Greece actually found me on Facebook and, and contacted me and I thought, oh, this is great. And uh, the first thing they did was invite me to a State of Origin game at an Irish pub in Athens, which oh. was... Um, <laughs> which was uh, uh, oh, culture. Yeah. Hey, that's Rugby League, my yeah, friend. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, but since then, I've um, been trying to sort of help them out as much as I can. I mean, obviously, um, being in Greece and a, and a very, very small sport when you compare it to uh, football and basketball and even volleyball, um, they need a lot of help and, and I'm helping them do with that. Um, and just sort of trying to write some... I like to write stories that are a little bit different than what's being um, pushed in the mainstream reader, uh, media. So if I can find something that's a little bit different, I'm doing that uh, through um, avenues um, such as yours, uh, AJ, with The Raw, uh, Rugby League Hub, um, yep. with the great Steve Mascord. Yes. Um, and I've also um, linked up with Neos Cosmos, which is the Australian Greek uh, newspaper here in Melbourne. Um, yeah. Great newspaper. <laughs> for those who aren't listening, for those who are, aren't in Melbourne, let's say, uh, what's the saying? I think Melbourne has the biggest Greek population outside of Athens. Yep. Yeah, so uh, there's, there's a market right there. There's a very wide readership. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, in summary, I'm a, I'm a very lucky man. <laughs> Lovely. And we, well, I've got to say, we are very lucky to, to have you on board, especially when we're talking about the, the Rugby League Nines and some international rugby later on. Uh, I don't just have to you know, listen to AJ talk about the Raiders. <laughs> AJ, I think it's time for a movie review. It certainly is. Uh, let's head back to what Simon Carolyn looked at this week. And what have we got, Andrew? He watched 2015's Creed, which was after, after he band? watched... Sorry? With Scott Stapp and all of that? After watching Rocky last week, he watched Creed this week. With arms wide open. And Simon... Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out his review. It was quite a, an in-depth review. When you think about it, this had every chance of being terrible, but instead it's a solid, subtle boxing movie. It's not over the top and it spares us any unrealistic opponents like Mr. T or the Russian Drago. Instead, we meet Adonis Johnson, who doesn't use his father's name, Creed. Adonis seeks out Rocky to mentor and train him in Philadelphia, which seems like a good idea. So it's the narrative? Yeah, there's plenty of great gym scenes, training moments and inspirational scenes. (laughs) He learns from Rocky and his, his stepmom, who wasn't Apollo's wife, apparently. Oh, um, Apollo fathered many children, uh, as you'd expect when you're Carl Weathers' champion of the world. Simon won't ruin the ending, but even though Raging Bull this ain't, and I prefer the first Rocky, this is an entertaining movie, and a lot, and like a lot of remakes, it spares us fluff. In fact, if you hadn't seen any of the Rockies, this is still a good movie. The soundtrack is cool too. I give it. Three and a half stars. Three and a half out of five. I'm what assuming do, what it's out of five. That? What do you make of that, Stu? Uh, <laughs> I would say that he's looking, thinking that's an average movie, but um, I just wanted to go back and get your opinions. Uh, he said that you know, it wasn't spoilt by over-the-top ca- characters. Isn't that what Rocky's about, over-the-top characters? And this is what, I mean, Andrew and AJ, what do you think? Are over, <laughs> over-the-top characters part of the... Well, that, that's Out of the genre? Pretty much, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, got that, it. That's what you need to, to sort of to carry the film. You know, uh, I think this, this one was because uh, they want Rocky to have more of a mentory sort of feel. So uh, they've, okay. they've taken out all, a lot of the heroics and all of that. But the, I think the guy, I can't remember his name, but the opponent that uh, Apollo Jr. has to fight mm. is a, the big character who's all... Flair and all of that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've just got memories of being fe- fe- feeling fairly sleepy watching. Creed, <laughs> so, yeah. 
Well, that explains three and a half stars. Mm. Thanks again, Simon. Uh, we look forward to your review next week of something else. Uh, yeah, so AJ and Andrew, I want to talk about the AFL Women's Comp. Um, we had over 50,000 fans flock to, flocking to the four games, uh, 24,500 at Princess Park. Um, it was a lockout before halftime. That was a, a, a great Friday night. Uh, 9,500 at Theberton Oval, 10,000 at Western, 6,500 at Casey Fields, and you know some low-scoring games. Um, how did you see it, Andrew? Well, I'm not going to go too much into it. People who want to hear my overly enthusiastic report on yeah. it can listen to... You love yourself some AFL women's... I do. Listen to... Go onto the Triple R website and listen to me at 7.15 the Monday just gone on the Breakfasters. Go to the in-demand and there's me being effusive about the game and all <laughs> the players and everything. I actually did a couple of interviews at the game and I'm going to let them tell the story. We're here to support them and let them have their turn. I'm really loving the atmosphere and I'm loving all the boys yelling with as much ferocity as they do at the boys' match. It's really enjoyable. Your reason for coming out to the game tonight? Uh, support the gals. Yep. People say, you know, sponsorships then crowd, but I think it'll have to be crowd then sponsorships. Abby, what's the, uh, what's the main attraction that brought you here tonight? Is it the game or the spectacle itself? is a great thing and um, but much much more than that for me I've been waiting for years to watch women's football I've, I used to go and see it down at Sunshine West and Darabin and loved those games but like tonight you know it gives me goosebumps it's, it's all alive it's beautiful there's a sense of excitement as well and you know people are really happy to be here I think well, it was just to get down to the local grounds again and see a, a packed ground, really, and just the, the first game, why not get amongst it? I mean, they're hitting the ball pretty hard. It's pretty entertaining stuff. Carlton certainly seemed to be a bit more cleaner skill-wise than Collingwood. I, I think it's a, a high standard. I'm really impressed. I'm, I went to the Witten Oval to watch the uh, All-Stars match, and I was really blown away. You know, it's the first time I've been exposed to, to a women's football match. To, to me, I can't tell the difference between this standard and what I saw at Witten Oval. It's really, it's, it's, it's amazing. First game, big crowd, nerves are high, so the quality isn't the best, but it, it's going to get better through the season, I reckon. The hardness is one thing I've noticed, and I think it's something that comes through. Like they go in as hard as you like, and I think the skills are going to come with more investment in the training and more time to train. Rob, was that your first game of women's football tonight? First time with 22,000 people watching, Andrew. And were you surprised at the, the number of people that were there tonight? Uh, a little bit at first, but as they kept flowing in, you just got a sense of the excitement and, uh, and the, uh, the buzz around the whole thing. The atmosphere is amazing and like it's just it's phenomenal the the volume they've sold out a beer at half time like they had to close the gates at quarter time but it's I don't think they had any idea the the 
level of support that this would garner. Like they just they thought they did, but they just don't. Clearly don't, and it's quite impressive. Oh my god, it was amazing. There were so many people there. It was packed. Well, to all, you couldn't see an empty seat, and just what I thought was great was when the teams came out, everyone cheered, but then the opposition supporters booed, and I'm like, this is equality. We're already booing the the teams we hate. This is beautiful, and it was just from then on, I loved it. They probably lose a bit of skill in the time where there's literally no outlet for them to play. So I'm hoping that this will mean that girls have clubs from the time they're six to the time they're 25. There was a lot of excitement uh, amongst the crowd there. The, I guess the things that stood out for me over the whole weekend were, I guess, the multi-sport players. Erin Phillips was one perfect example. She's been in an elite sporting environment for over a decade, and she clearly stood out. Uh, you had Emma Kearney, who... Like she plays cricket for the the Melbourne Stars, so it's not necessarily a, a prof- as professional as the the WNBA, but still she's got that exposure to to the elite sporting level. Jess Bibby and Gemma Houghton, both basketballers, again they looked that sort of step above just with their I don't know like the their athleticism and and their like hand eye coordination and their skill and their willingness to just crack in, although. It was some of the hardest football, especially the first 90 seconds of every game, was some of the hardest footy that you're likely to see. So there was one player, actually, AJ, that caught your eye. Who was that? Lily Mithin. Yeah. The Melbourne Demons. First ever pro game, let's call it. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, it was done in about six inches of water because the bucket had down for the whole game. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to see how she goes for the rest of the year. And, Stu, what did you take away from the weekend? Um, yeah, first of all, um, how good are suburban grounds? Um, it, it really takes you back in history. I mean, I, I didn't, don't come from an AFL background, but, you know, with all footy, I, d- I just love suburban grounds and I love to see people sitting on amenities blocks um, <laughs> watching that game, you know, when, the, when, when everything's overflowing. But, um, look, I, 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 I thought... It was a triumph for women's sport, obviously. Um, you mentioned a number of basketball players and you know people like Jess Bibby, who was an absolute warrior for the, the Capitals and certainly was someone who can mix it with the best. And it also shows the synergy between um, basketball and AFL. And I know a lot of male athletes have to make that choice um, between the sports when, they, when, they're, when they're up and coming athletes. And um, you can see that with, with the women too, there's a lot of synergy there and the, and the skills are transferable. Yeah. Did you know Scott Pendlebury was a basketballer? Really? <laughs> Next thing you're going to tell me that Jared Rufford was a basketballer. Oh, was he a basketballer too? And the the reason that we know that is because of the all-pervasive AFL media in Melbourne. Yes, we live, and, in, we live in Melbourne and we can't escape AFL. And I think that's something that really shone through on the, on the weekend, in the lead-up and in the days following. It was... Everywhere. Yes, yeah, Stu, put your media hat on for a sec because mm. one big issue to come from the week was, well, let's, let's not beat around the bush, overt barracking from just about every media outlet in Melbourne. Well, we can, we can only speak for Melbourne, mm-hmm. uh, for the AFLW to succeed. What, what did you make of all of that? Well, putting my media hat, I, I've just got to, and always have done, I've just got to admire the AFL, the way they do it. <laughs> I mean, the, the way that they can, um, well, let's not say manipulate, but look, get close yeah. to the media and, 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 and um, get them to... Uh, drive through the, their their media talking points is is fantastic and um, the media and AFL uh, you know of, of all the sporting organisations I've seen and I would sort of start talking worldwide um, probably work best than any other than any other sporting organisation um, 
what I did here was some um, from some media was some pretty wild claims um, yeah. <laughs> and a little slightly disturbing. Um, yep. But yeah, we can we can talk about those uh, if you like. Uh, yeah, yeah there let's, was, let's get into it. Let's get. So right there, into there was a lot of I guess cynicism from some people, uh, and AJ actually brought this up uh, last year as the headline that he thought we would see as people saying it was as if the AFL have you know, created women's sport. Mm. That was the the line that a lot of people were taking when they said, oh, my God, like, this article said this mm. and this article said that. I was just like, there are other yeah. professional women's sports. To there me, are. the way I saw it, there was a fair slap in the face and disrespect to the women's A-League out there, the WNBL, um, the Super Netball, which is about to start off. Basically, they all got sidelined and they had pretty important games going on uh, last weekend, the W we're, League we're in particular, finals. W League mm. were playing finals. WNBL is in the second last round, and um, Sally Phillips, who's the head of the WNBL, uh, didn't tweet it herself, so we won't say that. But she uh, she was retweeting some stuff that people were saying. Wouldn't it be nice if women's sport got this sort of coverage every week, and it didn't just take women's AFL? And is that a, a sledge at? The media, or is it a sledge at the sporting organisation, the, the organisation body that they represent? Because as as Stu was saying, the AFL are really, really good at just getting people to to talk about them. Do others not have as much money? Do they have not as have, not have as much, I guess, experience in this? Or is it just that the the media in Australia know that AFL sells papers? Mm, I, I think it's probably a combination of both. I think. Um the AFL have a fairly captive audience, um, particularly in the in, you know in the southern states of Australia. But mm-hmm. look, I, I, um, I when I came back to Australia, I was talking to some people I know who are fans of the rugby codes, and and they were certainly talking about the AFL women's and you know whether it was going to work or not work. Um, some of the some of the some of the claims that I found a little bit disturbing, and th- these came from media as well, is um, now uh, young women have. Uh, Sporting uh, idols that they can aspire to, or, yeah. or um, and and you know, so so who was Lauren Jackson or Shani Layton or Charlotte Caslick? You know, it's, mm. it's it's like there was no women athletes before AFL came around, and look, AFL uh, was probably a little bit behind some of the some of the sports in getting there. I mean, they what 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 I admire about AFL is they actually back they back if 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 they're going to take something on, they really back them, and the media push was um phenomenal but i I've got nothing but admiration for a sport being able to do that and um competing out there, and the others have just got to compete with them well and that's what I was going to say. I wonder if this will be the the kick in the pants that the others need they to actually go well we can't just sit here and whinge we have to to put our money into this we have to get uh, the media advisors that have been working for the but, AFL. But that's the problem, yeah. Andrew. They don't have the money and they don't have the resources and they've been scrapping and fighting for decades mm. to, just put, to just put a product out on the, on the stadium or on the ground and then AFL come along with all their resources and pretty much blow them all out of the water. I wonder if... Not, that, not that AFL will care about that. No, no. And I wonder if there'll be a rethink at uh, you know, like a, a government funding level. So we, were talk, we talked last week about uh, the... Or in the last couple of weeks about the AIS receiving money from the... Um, towards, sorry, providing money towards tennis. Mm. Um, and I just wonder if some of the other like codes might start re-diverting that money away from player development in and into sport development. Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. Um, and, and just going back to the AIS, um, 
we at the AIS, uh, in partnership with the ARU, had a lot to do with the Women's Sevens, and I was involved in trying to help promote them, and I know the ARU did, did, uh, did a lot of work, but um, look, uh, until they won a gold medal at the Re- in Rio, um, the Australian public were... You know, mm. pretty at much a, at a reasonable hour of the day too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When sunrise was on in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, just going on to another media claim that I heard over the weekend. Um, I think it was on Sunday morning, but um, it's a bit of a code warrior one, I'd say. Um, where one a person from the media was saying, "Well, actually, now it proves that women's AFL uh, pulls better crowds than the NRL." Um, and the A-League, um, yeah. and I think you've just got to be a little bit careful. First weekend, launch weekend, free admission. Um, yes, we all hope that the AFL keeps up that level of interest in crowds, but, um, yeah, I think you've got to go over a whole season at least to um, well, to justify that. It's interesting you say that, Stu, because just before we were recording today, uh, I was having a look at the major Melbourne newspapers mm. following up from launch week, and... There's only one AFL women's story in the Herald Sun today and there's only one AFL women's story in The Age today and they're both the same thing about one of the players getting their phone hacked and pornography getting put on their Twitter account. So it's just completely dropped off. It's dropped off a cliff after Mm. round one. So uh, will they keep it up? Who knows? And... The, go back to, to what Stu was saying about, you know, that over-the-top reaction to, you know, there's been this many people. I think that it's great. Like, that's just a fact. Mm. And I think that people... There's a lot of people that are just going, oh, yeah, you know, but make them pay, put it on this time, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, well, no, this is what they got mm. and let's just wait and see yeah, yeah. what happens. Yeah, I, the other thing I, I found a little bit disturbing as well is we I keep on bringing up disturbing things is, is criticism of the, the level of skill, etc. I mean, this is yep. the first season for these um, yeah. ladies at this level. I think that's a bit rough. Yep, absolutely. If you're watching any of the, the games, you'd hear a lot of people go, oh, this is this person's second game. You know, Gemma Houghton, for example, coming from basketball, Jess Bibby. Erin Phillips hadn't played since she was 13 years old. So, yeah, it, it'll get better. Now, fellas, this weekend in Melbourne, we've got the Brisbane Bandits facing the Melbourne Aces in the Australian Baseball League's Championship Series. Go on the Aces. Like on the Cavs, but anyway. Well, yeah, go the Cavs, <laughs> but in this instance, go the Aces. Now, I figured we should bring in a big hitter for this one. So, Ooh. I, Pedro Serrano? So, <laughs> you know he's an actor. Anyway, moving on. Wasn't, uh, he, the, wasn't he the president? We decided to bring in Chris Coleman, the voice of Australian baseball. Uh, Chris is the host of Chris Coleman Weekdays. That's 3 to 6 p.m. on 1206 2CC in Canberra. He hosts the ABL Strike Zone podcast, which you can download at any reputable podcast supplier. Uh, He's also the main caller for Charge TV, who commentate the Canberra Cavalry home games uh, for audio and visual uh, when the Cavs are playing in Canberra. He's been in the caper for decades. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And earlier today, we spoke to him about the championship series. Chris, welcome to a sporting discussion. Great to be here, guys. Exciting week coming up. Yeah. Uh, let's get straight into it. You've seen both teams up close uh, this season and more than once. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the championship series? I think we've wound up with the best two teams in the competition. My question is, have we got the best two teams in their best form Brisbane are absolutely on fire of late. Uh, they, they go in having uh, won, I think it's uh, 11 of their last 14, if, I, if my maths is correct. 
uh, and you look at what they did in that Sunday afternoon game last weekend up at Holloway Field, they showed what a powerful offense they've got. Melbourne have had a, a few wobbles. They've had a few lineup changes. Their roster not quite the same as it was, say, four weeks ago. But you look at the pitching lineup there, and it comes down to the classic offense versus defense battle this weekend. Yeah, true. Uh, I'll just hide you over to Stu here. Yeah, uh, Chris. Both squads are stacked. Uh, sorry, both squads are stacked with premium Aussie talent. Are these good signs for World Baseball Classic in March? Even though it's a group of death. Uh, <laughs> it's always a group of death yeah, when Australia's involved. Just about the, the group of death in the World Baseball Classic. I, I actually think if you look at the teams that have qualified, and you look at now, bear in mind Australia is going to be a number four side, a fourth a qualifier into there. We've actually done pretty well uh, to, in the group we've got. Yeah, there's no easy groups there, but you look at the look at the, the possible options there, and yeah, it, it's um, it, it's a tough it's a tough draw, but you know, it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, this weekend, uh, geez, how many how many guys would you have out of this this weekend at the World Baseball Classic? Uh, on my reckoning, probably half a dozen. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a good sign. Uh, Melbourne are going going to go in light on imports because they've had guys go home. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, Jeremy Guthrie that they were hoping was going to come back, but he's signed, so he's staying overseas now. But you look at, at who they've got this weekend. I mean, sure they've got Hamburger. Uh, they've got Josh Tolls, Mr. Versatile. He'll be he'll be starting game two. Uh, if it goes to game three, it'll be Virgil Vasquez again, another import. But they've got other players in that squad. They've got Demigrad. They've got Peter Moylan. Uh, they've got young John Kennedy who who is, what, 20, 21, uh, has only just turned 21 last year. Yeah, he turned you know, into a really reliable Sunday guy for him, uh, John Kennedy. So it would be good to see him come he? out again. Yeah, Didn't he? So, you know, so, so he's been fabulous. Brisbane, uh, I mean, Brisbane, it's, it's almost the all-star squad, isn't it? You know, you look yeah. at it, they've, they've, got, they've got Ryan Searle, they've got Ryan Rowland-Smith, they've got, uh, they've got Trent Olchin on board there, they've got some old stages like Ryan Battaglia, uh, old stager at 25. But you know what I mean? They've got guys who've yeah. been around... Uh, for years there. I think Brisbane is a great story for Australian baseball because cast your mind back five years, six years to the first couple of seasons of the ABL. They named all these kids. You know, they, they named a lot of these young players and week in, week out, they went out there and were lucky if they won one game. Sometimes they got two. They got the occasional series win, but more often than not, it was a losing series. But it was built for this kind of place for this kind of place now to be contenders for the 2016 shield for the 2017 shield they'll be contenders for 18 19 20 they've got a five year squad here and i think a lot of these guys you can see wind up wearing australian colours if not in the in the short term at the wbc but over the next few years leading up to the tokyo olympics in 2020 Chris, we've got a, a three-game championship series coming up. Now, is there one team or another that would be disadvantaged if it went to a Game 3, or are the squads fairly deep that Game 3 will still be a, a cracker? I reckon Melbourne's breathing a sigh of relief that we're only playing a, a Game 3, uh, as opposed to we're playing best of five. If it was best of five, I reckon it would favour Brisbane. They've just, for mine, got a little bit more depth. And that's what I love about the fact that we do have this best of three. Yes, it means that your Sunday guy, your fourth starter, doesn't get to start. So it means that you've got to approach it a little bit, a little bit differently. It also means, though, if something starts going wrong in game one, 
you can make the change. You know, you can say to your, your starter from game one, look, it's not working for you today. We're going to get you out of here. We'll save you for a few innings on Sunday if it's needed. Uh, you've got the additional versatility in the bullpen. It means managers can, can, can pull a few surprises. It means that we'll see more changes. Well, uh, but the other thing it means is if you've got a, like you've got a workhorse like Mark Hamburger who can throw 120 pitches, he's done it multiple occasions this season. If you've got a guy like him and if he's having a good, a good night on, sun, on Friday night, it means that the Melbourne Aces go into Saturday and Sunday with all sorts of versatility and, and the ability to ring the changes. Likewise, though, you, you, look, at, you look at Brisbane, uh, it's what they built their success on last season. It's what's worked for them in the past few weeks this season. And I think come Sunday, it, it'll be a cracker. If, if both sides have been able to get a lot out of their starters in games one and game two, don't be surprised if you see one side use seven pitches on Sunday afternoon yeah. uh, just to go for, for match-up batter on pitcher all the way through the game. Well, you sound as excited as we are, Chris. Uh, do you want to? Now, you've been asking, interviewing people all week for their thoughts on uh, what they think is going to happen for the Strike Zone podcast. So, why don't you put a number on it? What do, what do you see happening? <laughs> uh, I, I make this confession at the end of, of this week's Strike Zone Australia podcast, uh, and that is that I have been the absolute kiss of death uh, this season. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I reckon I'm running about. 14 or 15% in terms of predictions. But if you want it, I'm going to go for a three-game series. I'm going to go for Brisbane to win it and get it away late on Sunday. I reckon it could be, like up until the seventh inning on Sunday, this series, this championship will be hanging in the balance. But I reckon Brisbane might just, with the offense they've got, it's going to be hard to contain them all the way through. I think Melbourne have got the power, the ability to do it in game one. They've got it in game two. Virgil Vasquez as a starter, look, he could pitch lights out. And that's what it's going to come down to, I think. If he has a lights out start for Melbourne, it's going to be very hard for Brisbane. If they get on top of him early and they can knock him out of the attack, I just think they'll have the momentum and and they'll be able to run away with it late. So I'm going Brisbane in three. Yeah, well, Vasquez is a former ABL CS uh, MVP, I think, with Perth Heat. Uh, back in 2010, I think, 2010, 2011, I think it was. So it's going to be great to watch how he comes into it on Sunday. Oh look, the man—the man does not age. He is also, you know, he—he he, he is an odd man. I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. If you've met him, he's an odd man. But gee, he is just so focused out there. And again, that's what you're talking about here. You know, you're talking about guys who are focused, like you're Justin Erasmus, for example, for, for Brisbane. Sam Holland uh, is another one who gets who gets out there and looks focused. Ryan Roland Smith has been fabulous. Ryan Searle, okay, he hasn't had the same season as he had last year, but you know. He had oh, that'd be a, tough. an epic <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Nobody can produce that two seasons in a row. Tim's, you know, that, that Brisbane pitching setup, uh, it is phenomenal. For, for Melbourne, again, you know, I mentioned Hamburger, but let's talk about some of the other guys. You know, John Kennedy, uh, young John Kennedy would have to be a wild card for the, uh, for the national team. Maybe not for the WBC, maybe for the WBC, but, you know, he, he's... he's, he's just pitched lights out this year. Dan McGrath, good kid on the way up. Uh, Peter Moylan, I think, has done enough this season. Uh, and bear in mind, he's been carrying the coaching uh, the, the, the coaching burden this year as well as the pitching coach. Uh, Ruzik will be an Australian player this season. That's one of the re- well, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he's been getting so many innings there. And he's mm. done most weeks a good job. Uh, I mentioned Josh Tiles. I mentioned Virgil Vasquez. Uh, uh, who else they got? Stenhouse and Street would be the other two. You know, they've got, they've got so many options there. Uh, this weekend, it, it just it just really does appeal to me as a series that I don't I think, I think the first game 
you're talking pitching duel, and the baseball purists will love it. The second game, yeah, it could go either way, but I think the bats will get away late, and then game three, yeah, game three, anything can happen. Well, you're getting us pumped up, Chris. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, we're all really looking forward to it this weekend, and we want to thank you for your time t- chatting to us on a sporting discussion, mate. We really appreciate you having a chat with us. Not a problem, fellas. Uh, keep up the good work. AJ, you are the big boxing fan here in ASD Stadium. Did you yes, watch... boxing being the operative word. Yep. Did you watch Anthony Mundine and Danny Green on Friday night? You know what? I did. Right. Did you pay for it? After I rubbished it uh, last week and for months leading in, I shamefully admit that I sat down and watched the whole bloody thing. <laughs> the whole bloody disaster. How did, it, how did it play out? Well, I had Mundine winning, uh, but... Mainly, he she should have won because Green was almost knocked out by not a foul punch, but uh, people are calling it a coward punch, a dog shot. But uh, he was penalised a point, but he should have been disqualified and wasn't. So play on. Yeah, I mean, I was watching it uh, as well, and I thought that Mundine had it. I did read an article that said uh, Mundine's corner were telling him before the last round that he needed to win the round convincingly. Mm. So maybe they thought. Stu, did you catch any of the fight? I didn't know. She, um, I thought about the main event part of it and thought, um, well, I'll, I'll leave the money in my pocket. Um, $60. Yeah, look, well, two, two, go- two old guys, you know. I mean, there, there could be two old guys um, coming out of the pub, to be yeah. honest, and just, <laughs> just having a bit of a rumble. But... Um, yeah, um, look, um, you know, it's one of those things that you can't look away, can you, if you, oh. if it is actually on. But, um, yeah, look, um, Mundine was probably fairly predictable in his um, reaction post-fight. <laughs> um, you would expect that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of hoping it goes away, to be honest. Now. Well, it's circus from start to finish, really, and it's continuing today because one of the judges uh, scored it 98-90 to green, uh, which most experts and... <laughs> non-experts uh, considered to be some outrageous judging. Yep. And one of the other... He, that guy has apologised, by the way, and said that he got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, one of the other judges scored at 96-94 to Green, but he had a round scored 10-10 when Danny Green got a point deducted. That's right. And he has admitted that, that he did that incorrectly, so his score should have been lower and it could have ended up being a majority draw. Mm. But it wasn't. But, Andrew, forget the scorecards. I like to look at the faces of the participants after a fight. Oh, okay. Right. Anthony Mundine still looked pretty fresh. He didn't yeah. all the hair. he didn't have many bumps and bruises. Danny Green looked like he'd been someone had been throwing potatoes at him for an hour. <laughs> That's true. But should we should we move away from the fight itself? Can to, we please? Can we please? To for want of a better term, the main event of the night, which <laughs> was the 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 proclaimed heroes that were streaming the the fight from main event via their phone. Uh, through Facebook Live, YouTube mm. and Periscope. Well, this is Australia and our heroes are criminals. Yeah. $60 or fifty nine ninety five oh, to purchase God. the fight. Every time I hear that. God. And I don't know when this person thought that it would be a good idea to do it, but 100,000 people at one point were watching one person. Oh, more than that, 150. Uh, all up it was about 300,000 looking, yeah, right. looking at the two fellas. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sorry no one told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I missed out, to be honest. I don't, I don't think I was looking at but Facebook the, at the time. Obviously. It's hardly new because people have been um, 
uh, Facebook living the Bruce Springsteen concerts as they make their way around Australia, and it it uh. happens at any time. If you just go to Facebook Live, there's something that shouldn't be live being telecast live. Yeah, this right. one I believe I saw. I think it was on the Project TV said that three hundred thousand people not paying sixty bucks is something like an eighteen million dollar hit to Foxtel's earnings. It is, but those three hundred thousand people they probably wouldn't have been what, like paying for it mm. anyway. But it, look, even if one person decided not to pay because of that, then it's an then it's an issue for for the broadcaster. They've purchased the rights. The reason why boxes in particular get so much money is because they sell the the pay per views, mm. and that's where a lot of the money comes from. So, are we seeing a, a change in the landscape of? Like how something will be broadcast. Well, Stu, I'll ask you because you touched on it. Is it just a simple? Uh, did Foxtel get too greedy here? Is um, three hundred thousand people paying ten bucks better than fifty thousand people paying sixty? To be honest, I think it is. I think I mean you you have a you have a Fox subscription. They're not they're not cheap these days. You know mm. you can you can pay anywhere up to you know one hundred twenty a month. Um, you whack another, you know, fifty nine ninety five. Aj, stop <laughs> it! Stop that. And um, God, you know, you, you've got a, a fairly decent um, amount co- for it a fight. It costs more than Mayweather Pacquiao. It was ten yeah, bucks well, more than Mayweather. Yeah. stop it. Sorry, 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 <laughs> Stu. And it could have, it could have, um, it could have gone two rounds, and then you're you're out. I mean, you did get to see on the same package. Obviously, you got to see Quade Cooper and the yeah. <laughs> and that kid he Poor found Jack. in McDonald's Jack or whatever. Yeah, yeah, oh, he yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, there was obviously value there, but um, yeah, <laughs> cer- certainly, certainly for me, um, you know, I-, I thought about it and thought, you know, fifty nine ninety five is mm. too much. Well, we've spoken about that sort of thing on the podcast before in terms of where people get their sports, so how they access it. Is it through Foxtel or do they go through streaming arrangements? And we were talking about how a number of leagues have just started doing it themselves, and. I wonder if we're getting to a point where Foxtel itself, and I think it is the um, the subscriptions are diminishing, but if, you know, there'll be a box, and there probably already is, I think Apple TV is probably what this is, yeah. mm. where you yep. you pay for your AFL $60 mm. a year and it yep. streams through the box. And then you can go, oh, okay, actually, I'd like to pay $10 for the, the mundane fight. Or mm, like yeah. we spoke about the other day. It works like that in the States and over in Europe as well. Um, yeah, yeah. You can, you can get particular uh, games of football that you want to see mm. as one-off purchases. Yeah. Yeah, and there's been talk of the AFL trying that here, and do you reckon that blew up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can, and also, we were talking about the NBA looking at, you know, the last five minutes. You can play yeah. if it's a, mm, a close that's game. Right. That's Just right. Money yeah. Time. Yeah. yeah, and is, is it in Australia because we've, um, we've only basically got the one pay TV provider and there's not enough competition so they can basically oh, yeah, we're screwed. Con- yeah. control the market and, you know, uh, they, they, it's not in their interest to offer little segments um, for, for, for cheaper prices. Yeah, true, but, I mean, how do you eat the elephant? One bite at a time. If you can offer mm. just one little thing for 10 bucks, you can that all adds up pretty quickly. But we're going to take this to the people. We want to know, is, stre- is streaming... Well, <laughs> I might just work this question up. Is streaming via Facebook wrong? Yes or no?
Now, Stu, last weekend just gone, the Auckland Nines Rugby League competition uh, happened in Auckland, funnily enough. Uh, the Roosters beat the Panthers in the final. Uh, we spoke last week, Andrew and I, about the Panthers sending over a D-grade squad because, and they were quite vo- vociferous about how they didn't care about the Nines and then they almost won it. Uh, <laughs> I think they ended up with something like 150 grand or something, and there was Phil Gould was saying he was going to donate it to something, but something tells me he hadn't. Uh, the Gillaroos beat the Kiwi Ferns 3-0 for the first time ever in a three-game series. That was pretty good. Uh, crowds were down. Crowds were way down, I think, because the New Zealand Warriors weren't, weren't all that good. Uh, but ratings were up in Australia on Foxtel. Um, there's talk it might move from Auckland. There's conjecture over whether it will even take place next year because the World Cup is going to be on. Stu, what what have we got in rugby league world at the moment? Yeah, look, um, I, I think it is a problem, but it's it, it's something that um, I think needs to be retained, but probably retained in a different way. Um, I agree with you about the Auckland Nines. I, I hate watching my team go over there and show absolutely no interest in the game at yeah. all while, while representing the club with a jersey on. I think that's um, just not good as a fan. Um, I personally think they need to take a lead from Rugby Union and, and make Nines almost a specialist uh, type of tournament uh, and possibly taking it away from the clubs and make it, it – I think it can be a tool for international growth. All oh, right, so it's, branch out into an international franchise yeah, sort of system. Yeah. Here. Well, yeah. It, it certainly has. It's, it's worked that way with Sevens. I mean, you look at Sevens and you've got, you know, Kenya and Russia being very, very um, competitive teams. Yeah. Uh, why couldn't it work for Rugby League Nines? And these guys would be specialist Nines players, so they wouldn't be taking away from clubs, you know, 13-a-side team and, and would, would solve that problem because basically every year all, all you're going to have is coaches saying, I don't want my best players playing and... and, and ha- Risky injury. Mm. And so instead of the, the big bash in cricket, you could have the big crash. Oh, <laughs> now, yes. Stu, I watched a couple of the, the games. I was flicking between mm. the Rugby Sevens yes. and the Rugby League so was Nines. I. Now, the Rugby Sevens captured my attention a lot more merely because it was a significantly different game to the major game. Rugby, rugby League Nines... It really didn't seem a whole lot different to a normal game of rugby league. Yeah, look, I, I would totally agree with you. Um, I think that's partly because co- coaches aren't coaching teams to play nines. I don't, don't think they're interested in coaching um, teams to play nines. Um, number two, I think I think the the play the ball um, is a problem with nines because it just slows everything down. Uh, yeah. uh, whereas rugby rugby sevens, they tend to. I mean, you, you only you only have one or two players go in the mall. The ball will come back very quickly. It, it's on again. It's on again. Um, and it's just to me, it's it's more exciting. And and possibly only having seven players on the field rather than nine opens things up a little bit as as well. Do you think that there's a future for rugby league nines? Do you think there's an appetite in in the current? Well, so you you've sort of suggested a, a way forward, but is there an appetite in international rugby league to go that way? Oh, I, th- I think there is. Um, being sort of based in Europe, um, there's a number of reasons why that would be. Um, you, you don't have to have as many numbers. I mean, participation is um, you know is, is is not high, so it means you've got less numbers. Uh, a probably a, a cheaper product um, to produce and also um, I think for people who aren't used to the game or don't grow up the game it's a little bit more exciting mm-hmm. in, in the initial mm-hmm. stages and, and, th- and that, that brings them to the game I mean you only got to look at USA with sevens and things like that um, people love it yep that's true um, what do you think of uh, say 
Panathinaikos or AEK Athens or mm-hmm. something like that branching out into a Nines team or a Nines worldwide franchise oh, or something I would, like that. I would absolutely love to see it, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I hope I'm there in the next three years when it <laughs> happens. But um, and, I, and I know the administrators of, um, you know, Rugby League in Greece because I've actually talked to them about it mm. um, would think it's a great idea. It would need some funding from from somewhere because um, it's probably not going to come from Greece um, yeah. so whether it's the Euro- Rugby League European Federation whether it's the NRL and the um, Rugby Football League the British equivalent putting money in um, yeah. that's they're, where it's going to come from the yeah. NRL's not all that keen on doing no, that no they're not international <laughs> development's not high on their list um, yeah. they don't mind putting a bit of money into the Pacific Yep. Um, and Papua New Guinea, but that's about it. Well, that's yeah. a big talent pool for well, our class, a, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. It brings you your semi-radraders who then go and play for Australia. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you touched on that because uh, last week Malta played the Philippines mm. in, uh, I think it was at Belmore. Really? In an international match. And mm. Lebanon played, oh, someone else, I just can't remember who it was. Yeah, Lebanon. and I think Poland, Poland played Chile. Yeah. Were they yeah. all in Australia, those games? Uh, or just one? Just yeah, the they mold. they they were. They were all yeah. in Sydney. Um, wow. Yeah, int- interesting stuff. It, it, I've got a few points I'd like to make about heritage players versus local players and building domestic competitions. Mm. Um, there's been for for some time. There's been lots of internationals and you know almost little mini World Cups with uh, international teams in Sydney of heritage players who. Some of who um, probably only you know stopped by and said hello to someone, and they're suddenly in the you know the Philippines team. There was a player actually that was in the uh, Scotland Four Nations team that also got picked in the Malta team. Um, oh, right. Sort of lower grader for West Tigers, so you know obviously um, through father and mother or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how how much that does for development of international rugby league in the long term. I don't think it's sustainable development. Well, it's also we saw with uh, let's talk semi Radradra who openly admitted he only wanted to play for Australia for the money. Um, I think it was something like, might have even been 30 grand or something like that. Um, yeah, because he was going to get bugger all playing for, was it Fiji? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then he needed to support his family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's also a tug of war with Anthony Milford and Samoa. Mm. But I think Samoa's won that um, because there's all the all NRL quality players also want to play Origin. Yes. Um, so they'll you know, turn their back on their home mm. in a heartbeat to play Origin. So I wonder if, uh, I guess, the funding's the big thing, isn't it? Because mm. every time a World Cup comes around, like you say, Stu, we're seeing guys who maybe drove down Little Italy once and had a pizza Absolutely. playing for Absolutely. Italy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah right. I mean, Italy, Italy qualified against Serbia, and Serbia had done a fantastic job in building a domestic competition. You know, really, you know, quite a strong competition for guys that didn't grow up with the game. And... Um, Yet they had to play Italy to qualify for the World Cup. Italy, you know, led by um, Mr. David Campisi. Uh, yeah, um, oh, Terry. Terry Campisi, yeah. sorry. Um, smashed them because they, 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 have, yeah. they, they were guys that grew up in Australia playing the game. So Hang on. Terry Campisi was playing for mm. – not, not, not coaching – Oh, I think he might have been captain. No, he's been over in the UK for a little while. Yeah, oh, God. since yeah. the Raiders, since he left yeah. parted ways with the Raiders. Yeah, well, yeah, he like yeah. Since and a you lot can't of see it injuries, now, but... listeners, but I'm weeping at what Terry Campisi could have been in the green. Mm. So, all right. Well, speaking of the green, yes. let's look at the 2017 NRL season, mm-hmm. shall we? There, 
I saw an article on theraw.com.au today that I had to double check wasn't written by AJ. It was <laughs> or all Tim of Gore. the or, or Tim Gore. <laughs> Sorry, it was or a friend of the show, Tim Gore. It was all of the reasons why the Canberra Raiders are going to win, not can, are going to win. Look, you the... can't fault accuracy in reporting, Andrew. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Stu rather than <laughs> AJ. Yeah. What, I'm just rereading what that are you article. Look... Talk amongst yourselves. What are you looking forward to in the 2017 season? Yeah. Well, I, I might actually disappoint you, Andrew, because I actually think the Raiders are going to go that one step further next year. And they'll um, make the grand final and then lose? Or yeah, well, or, or, no, no, no. Or they'll win? No, yeah, no. I'm they'll, just wondering. They'll, they'll, they'll do what they haven't done since 1994 and um, actually, actually, actually win a premiership. Yeah. The only one that might stop them, I think, is Penrith. Um, mm, I think okay. they're two, two very similar teams on the rise. I think Melbourne's probably getting a little bit Old and and you mentioned Cooper Cronk's replacement. Maybe yeah. that's you know about time they they need to um, bring him into the fold. But um, uh, what's his name? My and, and whether Billy Slater coming back one is a good idea and two will actually well, yeah. do anything. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think um, you know age is not on their side. Um, my team, the West Tigers, will do what they did last year and almost make the eight and then miss out the end, um, <laughs> probably. But I think they'll be all right. I'm, I'm very excited to see Jamal Idris, though. I think um, yeah. if, if, if he gets himself back, it's going to be a very exciting year watching him. But, yeah. Um, yeah well, so well, I'll, I'll, I'll take on both of your, your points <laughs> of the, the Raiders going to be the team to beat. Now, why? So was it Jordan Rapana who re-signed Yeah, Jordan Rapana re-signed to – well, the, the story was he's re-signing until 2019. That's good. That's handy because he's going to score 50 tries. There were <laughs> two guys who were injured. Is it Aiden Caesar who injured himself last year early in the piece? Yeah, he was hurt a little bit. Blake Austin was Blake hurt Austin's too. Blake Austin's the other one. But it didn't matter because they peeled off 10 in a row. We don't want to be too Raiders century. No, no, no. Oh, no, I'm just asking because you both said that there's, mm. there's going to be teams like the Roosters as well, believe it or not, who this may not be a popular view, but who finished in the toilet last year uh, along with Souths, mm. but um, showed some pretty good signs towards the end of the year that they're getting back into how they know how to do things. And they were both touted as top four contenders at the start of last season. So uh, Roosters were. Yeah. Till Mitch Pearce yeah. had Australia Day, but we've all moved on from that now. All right. Uh, now, in terms of the 2018 World Cup, can mm. I be so bold as to ask how we think that's going to play out and what what impact that might have on the 2017 season, possibly? Like, which players might sort of come through and, and put themselves up for, for selection in the Australian team? Yeah, th- so this is the two- end of 2017 Rugby League World Cup? Yep. Oh, it's yep. 2017, sorry. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's November. And um, one, one of the nice things we were talking about women's sport is concurrently the Women's World Cup will, um, oh, will be played out at the same time and they both have their finals in um, Brisbane in in mid-November. Brilliant. So, cool. Yeah, and I think uh, I think in the Women's World Cup they've got about six teams. I think the men's it might be eight. Um, I think, yeah, I think I haven't got it in front of me, which yeah. I probably should have, but anyway. Yeah. Look at, you know, it, again, it's going to be the big three and possibly the big two and, you know, as, as most people are predicting, it'll probably be an Australian-New Zealand uh, final again. I You know, it'd be nice to see another team emerge, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know whether, AJ, you can see anyone else that um, nah, will unless, emerge from there. Yeah. The shame of um, international rugby league is for all of the potential and talent and things that could be out there, it's basically out of Australia, New Zealand and maybe England. Yep. And um, England, coached by Wayne Bennett, went into the recent quad series with 
chest puffed out and all sorts of talk about how this was a whole new generation of things and they just got flogged off the park. <laughs> um, so I can't see anything changing is, on is the way Is Supercoach Bennett going to be extremely embarrassed about that and do everything he can to, to get them back up there? Or Well, you'd think that, but I, 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 I hate to say this, Stu, but I think he's going to go the heritage route. He's going to pick, pick guys who had relatives on the first fleet, mm. basically, and oh, uh, right. tell them they're yeah. English and here they come. Yeah, well, he could bring Ben Teo back from... Rugby oh, yeah. Union, who, who represented um, England Rugby Union the other day. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, he's got no qualms about that and he's got no qualms about telling the uh, rugby, what is it, the Rugby Football League over there that mm. um, that's what he's going to do and they can like it or lump it. AJ, this week we saw a bizarre ending to a sporting event, the Davis Cup tie between Canada and the UK. You say bizarre, I say awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The UK won the deciding tie after 17-year-old Canadian Dennis Shapovalov, I'm going to just call him Dennis. Good Canadian boy. Yeah, defaulted against his opponent Kyle Edmund. After hitting the chair umpire, Arnold Gabas, with a tennis ball, Dennis had just dropped his serve in the third game of the third set. He was down two sets to love, and he just hit the ball wide, and he was serving, so he had a spare ball. He just tossed it in the air and whacked it, and it went straight into the left cheek-slash-eye area of the chair umpire. (laughs) He was immediately defaulted for unsportsmanlike (laughs) conduct. And everyone's okay, so we can laugh about it. Exactly, yes. (laughs) Because he absolutely nailed it. (laughs) But he's... He's (laughs) He's <laughs> unlucky because Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic recently have done similar things that have yeah. just missed yeah. umpires. So got, oh, that's Novak. Yeah, exactly. If, he's, that, he's, if that was Nick Kyrgios. $9,000 fine. It's at the lighter end because he was so remorseful and apologised oh, uh, and all right. of that. But so that's, that's a strange way to lose uh, a sporting contest. So we want to have a bit of a, a chat and we might go out to people on social media asking what are some other bizarre ways for a sporting contest to end? There's been a couple in the AFL out at VFL Park with... The sprinklers coming on midway through the game, yeah. and then another game where the lights just went out. And I'm like, oh, right. Like, I guess that's the end of the game. Well, there was also the, what was it in Tasmania when Siren Gate, I think they called it. Yes, when they when, couldn't hear the siren in the Fremantle St Kilda match. That's right. The ump couldn't hear, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong here, but the ump missed the final siren. And after that, I think it was Port Adelaide, was it? Uh, one of Freo or one St Kilda. One of Freo or St Kilda, sorry, kicked a goal to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had the points taken off them. And they had the points taken off them. Yeah. That, that's a bizarre one. Stu, have you seen any bizarre finishes? Uh, look, I, you know, I'll, I'll keep the narrow rugby league focus and say, um, you know, Billy Slater's brain explosion in the oh, World Cup final leading oh, to, yeah. to Benji oh, Marshall. That was the, yeah. the pass that wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, <laughs> that, that was just weird. Um, <laughs> you know, Trevor Chappell, that's, that just goes down in history, the underarm. Yeah, the underarm. 36 oh, that's, years that's, ago last week. That's the iconic... Really? Um, yeah, bloody Bizarre ending, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially considering it was six needed to tie the game, not to win the game. And, uh, <laughs> AJ, any well, standout for you? I quite like um, just last week, the Melbourne Derby. Oh, uh, City versus Victory. <laughs> I yep. think it was City scored the goal to go in the lead. 
And then in the space of about five minutes, as tends to happen in A-League games, uh, victory scored twice. Uh, Tim Cahill was sent off, sent off from the bench. Was he sent off? Red carded he from the bench. Yeah, but he wasn't on. <laughs> no, but when you get red carded, you have to leave the stadium, which means go to the change rooms. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was That's, quite funny because, yeah, he hadn't actually entered the field of play. And they yeah, said, all right, he was see on you, the mate. field of play, uh, abused the, umpo- abuse the ref, and the ref for once said, oh, I won't have that. I won't Goodbye. Have. Uh, I wonder if it would have been different if Cahill was actually on the field, but anyway. No, um, true. We've had the NBL this year had to abandon a game with a minute 37 left in Cairns uh, when they were playing the Bullets. Uh, um, when the lights went out. Yeah. Lights going out seems to be a bit of a theme. You've experienced the that out at Altona, the baseball. Yeah, the you? Melbourne Aces tend to have a fair few blackouts out in Altona and so do the Adelaide Bite out on uh, West Shores, I think it is out Yeah, there. right. Is this when they refer to lights out pitching? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because you can hear it. You can hear a huge buzzing noise when the uh, lights are firing up and then that just crackles a little bit and you go, oh, all right, <laughs> I'll just pack everything up. And <laughs> all right, I reckon we, yes, put it out uh, to social media and just ask people, what is the most bizarre ending you've ever seen in a sporting contest? It could be international, it could be national, it could be local. Yeah. I, I've got one which I'm going to save for next week, which was a local cricket grand final <laughs> um, right. with... One of the more unlikely finishes. So we will put that out on Twitter at ASD underscore podcast and facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Should we do a fast few, AJ? Yeah, why not? All right. Take let's, us- do, let's do a fast few. Uh, have you played the noise? Ah, uh, that feels good. Super Bowl 51, Andrew. The New England Patriots staged a huge comeback from 28-3 down with three minutes remaining in the third term. It's the uh, first ever time they went to overtime because they took it to 28-28. Mm-hmm. And then they knocked them over 34-28. Uh, Atlanta had the game wrapped up. <laughs> there was some pretty funny stuff happened. The Boston Globe uh, released their early edition of the Monday newspaper with the headline, A Bitter End, and a photo of Tom Brady on all haunches <laughs> uh, weeping because he's... Uh, Pass was getting returned for a touchdown. Uh, Atlanta sports stores were decking out the front windows with Falcons championship T-shirts and hats. And then Tom Brady won his fourth Super Bowl MVP for orchestrating the biggest come from behind in NFL Super Bowl history. The Netball Quad Series in South Africa wrapped up with Australia retaining the series. Uh, They defeated England by one goal in London on Monday morning, our time. It was a Shani Layton intercept in the dying seconds, which secured the victory, the great Shani Layton. Australia were the only undefeated team, and the players are now looking ahead to the kickoff of the Suncorp Super Netball Competition on the 17th of Feb. And we will have Aaron Delahunty on next uh, week. Good friend of the show, Aaron Delahunty. Next week to talk all things netball. Uh, one that's coming up uh, for me is uh, Toronto Wolfpack and the London Scholars. Um, third tier of the, um, the English uh, premiership, um, but exciting because it's the first professional uh, transatlantic team. Um, their owner Eric Perez is an absolute character. Uh, I spoke to him on the phone a while back. Of you know, a very interesting man and a, a huge risk taker. Uh, he believes that he's going to change the world um, of rugby league um, and that London will benefit from that. Um, if you want to read more about it, it's in my uh, Raw Sports article that uh, came out this morning. That 
will do us for episode 46 of A Sporting Discussion. It certainly will. Remember, if there's anything you want us to talk about or if you would like to take us to, uh, take us to task on anything discussed in this week's show, hit us on our social medias at ASD underscore podcast on Twitter or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Tweets or comments are signed off with AJ for me, AD for him, and we might do a couple for Stu as well, just so you know who's owning you when you're trying to argue with us. Tell your friends to subscribe to a sporting discussion on whatever podcast service they use. We recommend you use Bushka, our lovely host who host all of our audio and look after us very well. Uh, make sure you leave us a review too, especially on the iTunes one, because there's you know our egos need stroking, Andrew. There's no lying about that. No, nope, not, not going to deny that. We're shamelessly asking, stroke our egos, leave us a review. Uh, we want to say a huge thanks to Stu McLennan for joining us in the guest hosting chair for this episode. Don't forget, Stu, where can we find you? Uh, at uh, Athens Bites, Raw Sports, Rugby League Hub and Neos Cosmos. And there's an article on women's rugby in Greece coming out this Saturday. Beautiful. And we will be retweeting and sharing and playing all of that stuff going on there. Andrew, you're back on Triple R. Uh, what, what AFL women's stuff are you going to be talking about next Monday, 7.15, 102.7 FM in Melbourne? Uh, I, I, was, I was very, as I said at the start of the show, very <laughs> effusive this week. So we should have grabbed gonna... some of that audio. It was really, yeah, really nice. Well, as I said, go onto the Triple R website on demand. Listen to it. The breakfast is going hour fifteen in, and you can you can hear me talking about it. We will also be calling the Australia versus India Test series from twenty third of Feb on Whiteline Wireless. Uh, of course. So that is in about two weeks' time. We'll put out some links to that. AJ, and then you will be recording your part of the podcast from prison because that is going. We were, funny we were talking about streaming things before. Uh, we will be I the. I can't believe we didn't talk about that. I. I, I still believe that we are going to be the only radio broadcast in the world for the Australia versus India series. So, huge series for Whiteline Wireless. AJ, theraw.com.au, ABL, what have you got for us it's this ABL week? It's ABL Championship Series week, Andrew. I've got all sorts of stuff coming out. I've been talking to a lot of uh, the, the main players involved, some uh, opposing co- uh, managers to see what their, what their thoughts are on the week and then a big preview coming as well. Game one's on Friday, 730 uh, Saturday 6.30, and if they need it, they'll do Game 3 at 1pm on Sunday, which might be a bit tricky because it's there's a fairly heavy rain forecast for Melbourne on Sunday. Ooh, do, so, you know the, do you know the tiebreaker rules if it's 1-1? Uh, they'll probably wait until there's another time to play that game. Fair enough. Yeah. That'll do. That'll do. That's enough of that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.